Welcome to Haunting Live Podcast this week, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in. We are on YouTube now, and thank you so much for checking us out. If you haven't been here before, we are a paranormal podcast that talks about different things in the paranormal field. This week, we do have a very special guest joining us all the way from the UK. We're very honored to have Sandrea Mosses here with us, a spiritualist medium, and she's going to be talking to us about what she does in the spiritual field. But before we do that, um, thank you for joining us, and thank you for subscribing. We have noticed that we have had a lot more subscribers lately, so thank you very much for that. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do hit the subscribe button, and also don't forget to like this video also that we posted here for you this week. This week we reached episode number 37 of season 2 here on Haunting Live Podcast. And uh, with that, let's bring in our special guest this week, Sandrea Mosses. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Trevor. Hi, thank you for being on Haunting Live this week. I really appreciate you taking your time out from being so far away and joining us here to talk about what you do. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's amazing to have you here and have this connection available, um, especially these days. So let's get into the topics here today. First, I'd like to ask you, how did you become medium and what drew you into the paranormal field? Well, how did I become a medium? Um, I suppose I was a bit of a late developer, really, when I started working um, as a professionally as a, as, as a, as a medium, Trevor. Um, and I suppose my first gift I had, and I thought everybody knew it, I could this is a really bad one. I always knew when people were not telling the truth. And I always knew what was right. If I got in that zone, and I thought everybody could do that. It was a bit of a shock afterwards when I found out that actually what I was doing, I was I was tapping into something else. Um, um, I long had interest in, in, in books and reading, and I'd certainly read all about this, uh, the, the subject from the 70s. I think um, um, Danny Cannon is... Uh, was God an Astronaut was probably the first book um, that was uh, 73 when I started really getting into interest in UFOs and, and the paranormal and any book that was about haunting I was always um, 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 gravitated to, uh, um, um, towards and people have often asked me this question and I say no 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 there was nothing really interesting that that, that happened to me I was just an ordinary uh, I was an ordinary child and when you look back and you start looking at it and I remember they were going to have a bonfire in the garden when I was only about six years old. Now I was the youngest of three. A bonfire to me is fireworks and jacket potatoes cooked under the fire and that. And 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 I wasn't allowed to go to it. And they weren't actually with were burning some rubbish in the days when you could burn rubbish. And I was so determined to go and watch this. Is what I actually did was I actually sneaked in between the floorboards and went down. And really, what I did was an out of body experience. Um, it wasn't nice on those floorboards, I can tell you. And and I felt quite like grey. <laughs> and um, and of course I didn't realise at the time is that what I'd done was an was was I just actually had a, an out-of-body experience. 
And I suppose my, the real point for me, my interest in, in, in paranormal and helping people was um, the tender age of 13, 14, the craze, the Ouija board, all going around school out of making a Ouija board. We had an amazing summer with that Ouija board and the glass, we, we, we would take our finger off and it would spin and spin on one occasion, smashing up the wall. And um, it started not getting so much fun when it told it was going to come and get me and it was going to kill me in the night. And I was absolutely hysterical. My parents didn't know what to do. Where did you go to for help? That's where my interest in helping others and paranormal um, work came into. Right. I can imagine being young at that age and having those messages come through on the board be really scary to you? Was it scary to your friends and stuff as well at school at the time? Or were you kind of used to playing uh, with it? No, we only played for, I think, for the six-week holiday. And uh, and and it was terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And, it's, um, and of course, I realised afterwards what they do is when something dark gets hold of the board, they just stand there and listen to you. <laughs> so it's simple, isn't it? Because you say, oh, I hope my granddad comes through. Hello, I'm your granddad. And all they're just doing is giving you, you know, what it is that uh, uh, give it. And it's just a wandering lost soul, isn't it? And then this account was a malicious soul. And I remember my mum and dad saying, come on, it's time for bed. And I was hysterical. And who'd you call? There's no one to call. There's no one to go to. And so that's where my interest came in helping other people. I never wanted any parents to have to go through the helplessness that my family felt. But by the way, they didn't come and kill me in the night but I was convinced that I was going to die in the night. So were the messages that came through like really strong and forceful at the time when you were that age? Did you feel like there were real threats to you or were you just kind of like fluffed it off and it, like ignored it? Or It started off nice and then it just turned sinister. You know, it started off sort of quite nice and um, it, well, it started off quite nice. It told us, it told us that somebody we went to school with was going to die at Easter and we very kindly went and told him because we thought it was our duty and he, I saw him years ago and he said to me years after the event and he said um, that how he lived in dread he really thought he was going to die and I suppose we should have caught on then and put it away because we didn't tell any parents what we were doing we didn't mention it to anybody and you know we just carried on playing with the um, carried on playing with the, with the game and that was our own stupidity really I suppose but um yeah, well, you learn as you go, right? You learn how to control it. You learn what um, the rights and wrongs of it are and what the outcomes are as well, right? You experience it as you go, I guess. So um, how did your parents take it after you told them that you played with the board and you had these messages? Like, were they upset and stuff? Or They were upset. They were upset with me that I'd done it and hadn't told them, you know, and I'd been playing the board in the house, you, you know, because the theory is you can get it in, but you can't get it out. And I think my dad had always had an interest in paranormal and used to tell us ghost stories. He'd always had a keen interest in this. And um, I think they just felt, what could they do to help me? There's nothing they could do to help me. And it was that feeling of uselessness that often when you're you're facing a haunting, is that's the feeling that people get. How can you deal with it? Who'd you call? Well, that's just it. I think a lot of people these days, especially since more and more people these days are home a lot more because of COVID and the pandemic and stuff, they're more within their own space. They're experiencing more um, paranormal activity. Um, what would you say to people that are actually experiencing this, these types of hauntings? Like, do you have any advice for them um, since you've been through that yourself? My advice, put the board away and don't get it out in the first place. <laughs> I think you're okay when you're somebody like yourself, Trevor, who's experienced 
what it is is people are inexperienced. They can't control the board. They can't control what's coming through and they just let anything in. You know, it's uh, and that's the problem. And, you know, once it's there, you know, people say to me, you know, oh, I've been saging the house, you know, <laughs> there's hauntings going on in the house. It's smashing things. And a bit of sage is going to frighten it off. Yes, I imagine it leaning on the wall, tapping its fingers, you know, as you go past it, saging it. You know, what's sage going to do to it? <laughs> you know, it's um, don't do it, on, you know, do it with a professional. Don't attempt it yourself. That's great advice for anybody that even wants to try using the board because it's not a toy and people think it's just a toy that they can use to play with, right? But it really can open up portals and you can let anything through, especially if you're not trained, like you said. So um, us here at Haunting Live, we don't recommend using it as well. We don't use that. We only use spiritual communication as our tools. So I definitely recommend that as well. Yeah, I don't use boards. I don't think they're safe. And I think, Mm -mm. and I just think once you open that portal, it's there, you've invited it. And, and of course, you've given away your free will because you've asked it to join you. And and, and that's it. Your, your protection is gone. You've, you, you, is anybody there? You know, it's, I would say to people, would you on a Saturday night put up on, on Facebook or any other social media platform saying, I'm having a party at eight o'clock, all is welcome? Or would you vet whoever? If you're going to have a party, would you vet who's coming to your party? You would vet who's You're not going to just open your door and say, coming in. You know, it's that cautiousness and I think it is too. Well, speaking of Facebook, people do do that and they get in trouble by doing that too. I think sometimes, you know, a child will put their thing, oh, the parents are gone and we're having a party. And then they end up with like a thousand people at the house, right? So (laughs) yeah, spirits do the same thing. So what kind of experiences did you have afterwards then once you started tapping into the paranormal? Did you have more things happen to you? Once you uh, once you open up, um, and and it, it's just learning to recognise them, isn't it? It's just learning to recognise when you first open up and start and um, start to work. In fact, I was telling somebody, uh, I was telling somebody um, my story, and I remember many many years uh, many years ago, and 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 having a, a terrible fight who's now my husband, and I was working and just saying, you know, can I work this out? Can I work this out? Can I work this out? And over and over again, and, and um, at the time I was um, working around healthcare, and I went to the hospital to do an assessment, and I come out doing this assessment. It's very complex patient care, and I'm going to get this all set at home, and I'm going through everything in my mind, and suddenly a Beatles song appeared in my head, and I stopped because Beatles is not my era, you know, it's before my era, and I stopped and I listened to that song playing in my head, and it was. Um, can't you see things my way? Do we have to keep on talking till we can't go on? We can work it out. And that was the first time I really grasped because my mind was occupied on something else. And we're all giving this help all the time, Trevor. We just don't hear it. We just don't, you know, we just don't, we're too busy to look out for the signs. We're too busy to see the help and support, you know, um, the, you know, the robin that lands. Yeah, and I remember when my, my, my dad was dying in hospital and my children said they'd sat outside and a robin had landed on the bench alongside them and had just sat there with them and they knew then that he was going to pull through and it was a message. And it's learning to see the messages. We all get them. I'm not special. It's just having the courage to believe that that's a message for you. 
Yeah, I do agree. We have all types of spirits that guide you along, like your spirit guides, your animal guides, and everything else. So, um, have you had any um, strong experiences besides that one that you just mentioned that you really thought was like, wow, this really stands out as being something paranormal? I wasn't ready for this, or. As you know, I'm a psychic. I'm a medium. Uh, I'm a practicing. Uh, I'm a practicing. Uh, I'm a practicing medium, um, and I've spent a lot of time helping people through the paranormal who've been haunted, and the stories. I, you know, I could tell you story after story after that. But um, uh, I, I, from a personal experience, um, and for me, when I when I experienced a haunting, because when you're a psychic, <laughs> you don't tend to experience haunting because you know what was going on. And I was at work. And, and I was um, I was in the basement of a hospital, really old hospital, 200 odd years old, and walking on the basement and it's not really dark down there. The, all the, all the, the utilities, the whole building run down there and there's, there's all like dark shadows and little rooms off to the side. In a place, it was so old, there was open storage running through. It, it just so old. We were going along and suddenly, just as we were getting to this huge damp pipe, it was as if somebody had hit it with a spanner. It was this really loud noise. And the person I was with said, oh, I don't like this. Any young guy I was with, I don't like this. Now, I'm straight away suspicious. I'm straight away suspicious because why didn't I, why didn't I hear that beforehand? Why, didn't, why did I hear it there and then? Why wasn't it when I was halfway down the corridor or behind? It was just when I was there. And so and it was right by the lift. So we called that the, there's only two, three lifts that came down. This corridor is a third of a mile longer. It's longer than that because it went all under the grounds and it went all the way down to the uh, States Department. And, and I, I start looking through my handbag. That's how I'm talking, see. I start looking through my handbag if I'm looking for something. And I said, who's here? Show yourself. And out of the corner of my eye, steps out. This person in a white coat is quite visually challenging. And um, the person I'm with sort of goes oh I don't like it down here and he stepped right behind I didn't tell him uh, I told him afterwards a long time afterwards and uh, and I started talking to this guy and I said what are you doing here and uh, and apparently he lived in the workhouse and lived in the workhouse he was probably what you'd have said simple-minded and he was quite visually challenged and he worked in the and the mortuary used to be underground and he told me the mortuary was underground and <clears throat> it was only afterwards I said to somebody, they said, yeah, the mortuary used to be downstairs. And it, and it wasn't far from where we were. And, um, of course, I didn't know until he told me. And I said, what are you doing? And, and he'd, he'd spent his whole life in the workhouse and living under, working underground. And now he'd just learned. And he was just enjoying himself. He wasn't malicious. He wasn't nasty. He just used to hit the pipe, but he'd learned how to make the sound. And he just had great pleasure out of not malicious, lots of stuff is malicious, and in just... In, in just in just making people jump. And I get in the lift. He gets in the lift with me. And, and, and I'm, I'm saying to him, go to the light. And he said, I'm not going to no light. He said, I've not, I've had no life. I'm enjoying myself now and I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And he's following me down the corridor. And and and, and I said, you're not going to go to the light. And he said, no. And I said, well, bugger off. I've got to go to work. And he just like went back downstairs. And that was probably the weirdest. And uh, that was probably um, um, the weirdest, um, uh, the, the weirdest experience that, um, um, that, that I had. And I, in the same lift on another occasion, I had, um, I've not given you a chance to ask me questions in between, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, we, um, the covered coffin came, the covered trolley came in the lift. And standing alongside the covered tr- tr- uh, coffin is a man. 
And he says to me, 45 minutes I've been waiting for this coffin to come. And I'm in my handbag now again. No, so when I used to go in my handbag after a while, people used to go, what's wrong? What's wrong? Because it's the only way I can talk. You pretend I'm looking for something. And I said, why? He said, 45 minutes. He said, my wife is still waiting up there. And my wife is still waiting, but I've gone now. And I said, well, you'll be okay. Yeah, you'll be okay. And I, said, I told him what to do. And he got out of the lift and just kind of waved goodbye to me. <laughs> well, at least you sound like you can communicate really well with the spirits and the entities that you come in contact with. Like they don't seem malicious or negative towards you. They seem just like they want to talk to you. So, I think... Um, I mean, I'll give you a, another, and this is when I'm not, all these when I'm not working as a medium, um, I mean, I can give you lots of malicious and, 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 and some of the stories, some of the encounters and some of the things that I've seen. Is I was in the ED department and um, this trolley comes in, in and I'm in recess and this trolley comes in and the guy's walking alongside him. And I could see him as plain as I can see you. He's only about five foot five, five foot six. And his mother was with him. And they're working on him, working on him, working on him. Uh, and I, I'm saying to him, get back in your body. He said, I can't, it's shut. It, 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 I can't, it's, it, it's can't. And I spent a fair bit of time talking to him and telling him what to do and where to go and that. And his mum was trying to guide him, but he was just really confused. And I, and I had to find out. So on the Monday, on the Monday, I had to find out. So on the Monday, I went over to the mortuary. And he called the morgues. We call them mortuary in this country. And I went up and I said, is he dying here? Because I was down there. And they said, yeah, and point his name. And as I left, he followed me. And he said, and he's obviously gone to the light. Because once they've gone to the light, you know, they can keep coming back down as much as they like. But it's getting them through the light. And he thanked me. And it's so weird. He, he followed me out. He said, thank you. He said, thank you for helping me. He said, thank you for, gui- uh, thank you for guiding me. So those are the more weirder experiences that I've had. <laughs> that would be weird just trying to get a spirit that's recently passed to cross over. Do you find that very often in your work or is it something that only happens every so often or is it something that occurs often? Or I think it's quite rare for them to not pass over and I think it's very rare and I think you know sometimes it can be um I've wrote about this in books and articles and before you know sometimes it can be that the, the person has never given thought to the left of the life they haven't even said you only get one life because to say that you've thought about it so if you, if you think you only get one life you must have had a thought about that life to have reached that to, to have reached that state um, and to have reached that stage and I think they haven't thought about it it's never crossed the mind and it's the shock. And then I think the spirit world will intervene and they will slowly sort of try to get them over there, you know, replicate the world and slowly try to move them over. And then you get the malicious, you know, you get the lost ones and those who don't want to go. And then I suppose the malicious. That's one thing I've always heard when dealing with spirits that are still stuck on our side, they won't cross over. Um, you always hear about people trying to help them, but you never hear of the other side trying to help them cross over if they don't want to go. You mean, you know what I mean? Like the light always appears to them, but they don't go. But you always hear of mediums trying to help them cross over. You don't hear of like another spirit coming over or something to help that spirit cross over. You hear about the spirit on the other side. When they cross over, you meet the other people, but you don't hear about them trying to help constantly trying to get spirits to come across you know what i mean like you don't hear about stories of well yeah. that spirit tried to go he tried to go he tried to go you just hear about them being stuck here i think it's because you can't see them 
if you think about it, you know, as mediums, we have to try and raise our vibration to be able to reach there. And if you notice, I just described earthbound spirits that I could see with such ease because they're on the same vibration as me. But I think once you pass over, you go to a much higher vibration. And so, <clears throat> so if you're trapped here and don't know you're dead, I don't think you can see. I really don't think you can see. Uh, you can't see. But I think, I think the spirit world are very manipulative and very controlling. The times that I've been manipulated to be in a situation and, and, and to be in a situation, you know, how did you hear my name so I could come and help you, sir? Well, we happened to be, we happened to be down the club and somebody in there was talking to somebody and we heard them mention your name and you're thinking, is this a coincidence? And I think the spirit world worked really hard to engineer and manoeuvre and move the situation uh, and move the situation around to help people. It's just not quite. And, and, and I think if you don't realise you're dead, the thought of a six foot angel appearing <laughs> appearing in front of you, you, you would probably do more damage than that. Um, I, I write a column for a magazine and it's called A Day in the Afterlife. And in my column, I go um, every month. I find somebody who's in the spirit world and um and and that's how I and, and that's how I connect. And that's often what they say, well, we can't come because the way that we would terry we would terrify people. Um, yeah, that's one thing I've always wondered when I'm dealing with spirits and communicating with them. I always just wonder that. Like, I understand you're stuck here, there's some reason you can't move on, but aren't they trying to help you as well on the other side at the same time? So I always wondered that. But, um, oh, yes, I, <clears throat> I think they help by manipulating. And I think, and um, I read a wonderful book many years ago, and it described almost like as if, um, because you'll just live in the house, an etheric house, you'll still be in that house sometimes. And and there was a case, and this person, this guide w w was, this spirit was visiting, but was visiting like as a social worker. And they were slowly exposing this, this, this soul to the idea that they had actually passed into the spirit world. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, um, there's always angels that come down. They try to help as well, right? So, is that the same level as angels helping spirits cross as angels? Is that their job to do? Like, is that what they're designed to do? I think there are many, many different type of angels, but I certainly think there are angels there. And because because of our culture that we believe in angels, it's easy to use that guise to get us to relate to it because straight away we will we'll feel safe. You know, it's, um, I mean, I have seen some, not very often, but I mean, I've seen sometimes, I have seen some some spirits that are visually challenging. <laughs> well, you're not going to welcome that, are you? Whereas if I see somebody with big white wings, you know, that's going to matter. And it makes people feel safe and they can relate to it. So I think that's why sometimes they put on a persona, you know, that, that's, that, that we can accept so we're not afraid. Has there been a time then when you're dealing with that type of energy work, like crossing a spirit over that you found really challenging or something that was hard for you to do? Oh gosh, yes. On more than uh, on more than on um, more than one occasion, it's probably the worst one. Uh, was it was the worst one? Was um, and it, there were four of us, and I think we went back about three or four times. Uh, about three or four times, and we went and what. Mum had done, mum had got the children out of the house because I always insist, unless I need to speak to the child, um, I, I always insist the children out of the house because I just feel that they're too, that they're too vulnerable. And we, 
we went, we thought we'd moved it. And what she'd done, this demon, um, Jezebeth, she'd used the link with the children to come straight back in again. And the child, who was at the time was about six or seven, ran in the house going, Mommy, Mommy, what have you done? Jezebeth is so angry with you. And you could have knocked the mum over because she hadn't even told she hadn't even told uh, hadn't even told them. You know, and they'd had somebody go into that house to have a look at the house and they'd gone in. This this spirit was so powerful. Um they'd got um uh, that they'd uh, they'd called for help. Um they'd just suddenly started having problems in this house. The um the peaceful dogs before were howling for hours on end. Um, they, you know, uh, they were hiding um, four rabbits just, just like, just dropped dead, you know, for no, um, uh, for no, uh, no apparent reason. You could put a fork on the wall and it would spin independently. It would, it would, um, it would spin independently um, uh, on the wall. Um, the wardrobes would, you would just open in seconds. There the, the was CCTV footage of it. Uh, the wardrobe doors would be all shut, and then in seconds they would open the whole wardrobe. Contact would be thrown across, uh, would be thrown across uh, the, the the lounge, uh, across the bedroom. Um, stuff would fly off the shelves, uh, and stuff would stuff would fly uh, uh, would fly off the, uh, the shelves. It really was quite um, uh, it, it, that, that was really um, 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 quite uh, quite difficult. And it's Jezebeth is the is is the demon of deception and lies. And there was we found out afterwards there's quite a lot of deception there. And is that what um, uh, is that what did it? I don't know. But the 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 second time I went back, I, I, I thought I've got no choice but have the children here because they're the gateway. Yes, they're the gateway there. And she was so sinister. I remember, we were standing there trying to see the and she just like appeared and she was black and grey and this is hair like a rat's tails hanging around and the stench of her was uh, was was, uh, was unbelievable. They'd seen her over the baby, you know, and in the end they were sleeping downstairs on mattresses on the floor. They were so afraid. So I'm going to get rid of her and there's four of us. So I'm going to push her through a doorway, but I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to frighten the children. So we've got it all planned over. And I'm, I'm taking the lead and I've got everybody in the room there together. And this little girl, age seven, is describing what I'm doing. She's going, oh, oh, she's in a box now. She's not happy. And I, I, I'm not, none of us are saying a word. She's in a box. Oh, she was with her in a box. She's not happy. Oh, she's fighting. Oh, she's trying to get out there. She's trying to get out the box now. Yeah. Oh, oh looks like she's going to get, oh, no, she's back in. And that child described everything as we as we were doing it, and then when we'd finished, what we would do, we, we did we use use rainbow colours to like lift and cleanse the energy. You know, usually like ping pong balls around the room or rainbows, anything just to bounce the energy and clear up. And she was describing it, and she was she was describing everything as we could see. That child could see it. I've, you know, I was just absolutely flabbergasted. By this child's uh, and by this child uh, child's ability, it was uh, yeah, uh, it was amazing. She she would I've got on my website there's pictures of stepladders and they're spinning. And I went out with the, I went out with the um, I went out with BBC local radio, and they went oh they went out and, and, and when they looked upstairs there was no there was no loft hatch. They assumed that because the lo- these ladders were spinning there was nothing for them to spin on there was nothing to attach them on. You know, and they were actually spit, spit. And they said, Smith said, well, why don't you go through? Come away. 
because she throws them at them when every time they went near them. Matthew wouldn't step ladders. She was throwing them at them. She, she threw a television into the 17-year-old daughter's face, blacked all her eyes. It was bad. It sounds that was the worst really thing I've bad. ever done. Yeah, it sounds like mm. a major poltergeist activity as well there. Yeah. yeah. She able- called in the shadow. Oh. She'd got the shadow people working with it, and you could see them going across the wall, the shadow men, mm. yeah? Her army going across the wall as you, as you were working. It was, that was mm. probably the worst one I've ever done. <laughs> what was the outcome? Were you able to actually banish oh, the yes. energy yeah. or...? We, we, we ended up going back several times because she seemed to find a way back in. But in the end, we won. Yes, in, in the end, we won. It was hard going, but in the end, we, uh, in, in, the end um, in the end, we won. And, and it followed them. The sun moved out and it followed him. Yeah. And it was moving in between the two, in between the two, uh, the two houses. And what made the sun call for assistance? Partners um, upstairs get the children ready to go out. And she turned around to pick something up. And when she turns around... Her daughter was at the bottom of the stairs with a coat on. She'd actually transported her downstairs and in a split second put a coat on. Mm-hmm. That's really scary. That's uh, some next level that's, hauntings that's, there. <laughs> it is. That's, that's, that, that's, that's the worst thing I've ever dealt with. Absolutely wow. the worst one I've ever dealt with. Yeah. That would make a great movie, so to speak. So. Do, you, do you know, everybody said that to me that I should take the time and write that up. Um, because you can trace it back. It all started off with the, the grandmother who husband was missing in action and she did in a Ouija board and where the houses were built was an old graveland, uh, uh, um, ancient graveyard that had been built over and that's when it all, start, uh, that's when it all started. Yeah, um, see, there's the full circle. So we come for a circle back to the Ouija board again. So yeah. Well, thank yeah. you very much, Sandrea. I really appreciate you sharing some stories here today and talking to us a bit about your mediumship work and how you got into the mediumship field and your experiences. They've been amazing. Um, before we let you go today, is there anything that you've been working on lately? Any promotional stuff that you want to talk about or talk about your website or anything before we let you go? Well, um, I mean, hopefully my book is... Um, my third book is with the is the publishers at the moment. I'm not sure when it's coming out. I presume it'll be next year now. And that's ch- about children seeing darkness. And tales like I've just explained. Funnily enough, I don't think she's in the book because I think she'll be a book on her own. And it's all about children's encounters and and some of the things that the children have seen, and yet I know they're protected. And and that's what the book. So it's it's it, it, it's a combination a, a, a combination sort of of different stories of children and and, and their experiences, um, um, with the with the darkness. That sounds interesting. Do you actually talk about how the children deal with it and how they manage it day to day and how they use their abilities or? Yes. Yes. It, uh, yeah. I think in the book, in the stories, I think what I show is how protected the children are, and the world and the universe does protect children. And you, you're thinking how the children, um, um, I mean, possibly uh, very quickly, possibly the greatest story that I went somewhere and a two year old who couldn't talk. And this two year old was able to tell me where this, where this spirit was hiding, was able to tell me. And, and you know, and the, and the family were going, he can't talk. And he, he, he was able to go, and pulling us and showing us, yeah. And the dad was going, "Oh my God, this is where we have all the activity." 
and he was able to tell me everything. So, um, um, and that child, that two-year-old, the, his seven-year-old sister wouldn't speak to me. And when I tried to talk to her, she, and I said something, she said, you can see, can't, you can see what I can see. She said, yes, and she'd been told not to talk to me. But the little two-year-old was having none of this. So there, there are miracles with children all the time, Trevor, and children are always protected. And they, they've got greater perception than we have, you know, and, and it's surprising what they can be exposed to and not be afraid. And whereas we'd be, you know, terrified. So, uh, yeah, I think children have a different perception than we do as adults. Like they're said to see more, they're more open to things than we are. So I think they have a different um, level there than we do. So sounds interesting. Um, recommend people go check that out once it comes released. And uh, we'd for, for sure love to have you back on to talk about that book maybe later on here on Haunting Lives. So um, anything else today before you like go? Um, what's your website address? No, no, no. What's your website? It's, it's, w- yeah. it's www.sandria.com mosses.co.uk wonderful i'll put that as well in the video here when we upload it and uh, they, they can go check out your website too sometimes so thank you sandrea for being here it was wonderful listening to your um, background and your stories they were great and i appreciate you taking your time today being here with us on haunting live this week yes well i shall be sharing it i shall be sharing it in england too i shall be uh, finding your podcast and sharing it over here so hopefully people from england can find you and listen to your other podcasts i would love that i know there's lots of people into the paranormal over there so that would be great if people can tune oh, in to gosh, us yes, over there yeah. as well so um but thank you so much yes. and um it was wonderful having you as our guest and uh, we'll have you back on sometime soon thank you thank you you take care thank Bye-bye. you thank you for inviting me on i've loved it okay Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm crazy. I don't like it in here. Now listen, Matthew. Where did you get that from?